Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 148 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today in my podcasting studio, I have a special guest. We have Matthew Rayo, who's come to join us, and we're going to talk a little bit about what he has discovered and some of the fun things that he's been doing these past few months. Welcome to the podcast studio, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Always. So let's start with a little bit about what you've been doing these past five months. So I went to college recently at the University of Arkansas. And my major there is animal science with a pre-vet focus, you know, hoping to be a livestock or equine focused vet. And um, I was told by like all my classes to go to this um, big fair thing, like this big uh, career fair slash club fair that they had going on at the beginning of the semester to get the freshmen involved. And so I went and I got recruited, I guess, to um, like judge um, cutting horses. So it sounded interesting. They flagged me down and gave me papers and expected me to be at the barn that night. And so I kind of had no choice but to go and see what this, um, horse thing was that I kind of got pulled into. And so I started, um, the class and it was its own class that I had to take. And so, so you actually got credit, college credit for taking a class on cutting horses. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, before you go a little bit deeper, tell me about what is what is a cutting horse? It's a horse, it's a, a cutting, the cutting horse industry is basically a big show industry where it's how well a horse can single out a single cow from a herd and keep it away from the herd and stay on top of it and kind of almost mirror it. It's really cool to watch. If you don't know what it is, I'd recommend, you know, YouTubing it or something. There's a lot of really good horses out there. And you'll kind of get an idea of what it is, but I mean, it's really cool to watch. So is cutting 
a breed or is cutting what they do? Cutting is what they do. And there's multiple breeds and multiple bloodlines of different horses um, that you'll definitely hear about, like Metallicat, Bamagelli, you know, all the Kit Kat, Smooth as a Cat, all these different types of horses, um, bloodlines. If you're familiar with the cutting industry, you probably noticed about every horse I said. But basically, it's a whole industry of genetics and basically to get these top tier show horses that millions are invested into them so when you say a show horse so these horses are trained to mirror the movements and the actions of a cow or they're they teach them to anticipate what the cow is going to do explain that a little bit um pretty much so so they train the horses to you know kind of rely on their own like understanding so the rider is not really doing anything so if in the cutting, when you see the rider put his hand on the horse's neck, the rider's done kind of telling the horse what to do. I mean, he has his feet to kick and kind of guide, but the horse, for the most part, is watching the cow's movements and staying on top of the cow. So who trains horses to do that? Horse trainers. Horse trainers, that makes sense. So how do you, I mean, is it something that horses either have or they don't have, or are they trainable, or is this just something that, can any horse learn how to cut? It's a little bit of both. Um, it depends a lot, of course, on the breeding and genetics. So, you know, just like athletes now, like humans, I mean, some people are just born more gifted than others. But at the same time, it just all depends on the horse that you're training because some horses are very open to learning and others are just really stubborn. And so it just depends on the horse you have, the breed. I mean, it is possible, but of course, some horses would be way more harder to teach than others. So how do you know that? If you get a horse that you want to train for cutting and it's just they're not working out or I mean, I guess horses have personalities just like people do. Some people and horses get along and some don't. Right. Yeah. So you were recommended to go to the barn where all the horses are stabled. Um, Tell me a little bit about how that first meeting went with you and other students who are in the horse program or who are in animal science and the professors who are teaching that. Tell me about what you experienced when you went to the barn. Yeah, so I went into the barn and I sat down um, and was just kind of, I was I had no idea what to expect. And I was about probably the only student um, that got looped in there, probably from that whole fair that actually went. And so it's just me and like maybe one other person sitting in that room. And then all of a sudden all these people start coming in and they have like spurs on and everything. They're walking in like they were just riding, which they were. And so it turns out that these kids were actually on the ranch horse team, which I didn't know much of. And to be part of the ranch horse team, and I know I'm talking about a lot of teams and different clubs here, but so far I'm sitting in this room for judging, which I had no idea about, and these ranch horse team kids come in. And I knew I was kind of interested in that because I heard about it, but you have to have your own horse for that. And so these kids have their own horses, you know, their own trailers, whatnot. And so back to the judging part. So they all sit down and we all separate into groups and we each go into our own like categories of judging because there's multiple different things you can judge. And so I chose cutting just because I had no idea what it was at first. And so that's how my judging all started. And so I spent the entire semester really watching. I probably watched thousands of cutting runs. I mean, it was a lot. I mean, over Thanksgiving break, they assigned us to judge 100 horses which probably took a good four hours. But um, so I got to do all that. And so there was probably, I'd say, about 12 kids that um, were on the, were judging cutting horses. And the top five 
out of those 12 were able to go to Fort Worth um, to watch the fraternity go on early December of this year. So what happened? What was in Fort Worth? So that's the big show for the cutting industry. For those familiar, you definitely know what it is. You're probably there. Um, but basically, it's the world finals fraternity. I mean, you have all these multi-million dollar winning world horses all in this Fort Worth area. And so they all go to this show and they all compete for probably a good two, three weeks. I mean, it's about a month long. And so we were there about the end of it. And so I got to see a lot of the open finals and whatnot. And so the top five went and luckily I was able to be part of that top five. So what what got you a top five spot? What did you have to do to earn a spot to be able to go to, to the show in Fort Worth? So basically over the semester, they would give us multiple tests, like practice tests and whatnot, and like live runs to watch and judge and score. And so whoever placed the best overall in the semester and whoever did the best on the test and the penalty test were able to go. So, so what does all that mean? What is Like what kind of a test? How do they test you to judge cutting horses? So the competition for the judging, they would judge. We had to sit down in a room in Fort Worth and – even before that. So, yeah, even before it, they were helping, like we were practicing. So there's three things we had to do. We had to watch live runs and place. So you had to watch a set of 10 horses and place them correctly. How do you place a horse? With a score. You just give them a random score? No. You go through and watch their run, mark their content accordingly, whether it was good, bad, put any penalties, and you place best to worst. Basically. So how do you, what is, is there like a score sheet that you use? Yes. So you use a score sheet and you mark it and write it down. Is it easy? I've seen your score sheet and it looked like Greek to yeah, me. Yeah, it's... It's it, this matrix looking thing. It's pretty tedious, but I mean, once you get the hang of it, it's pretty... You can get it down pretty well. And so basically you judge a set of 10 live and place them. And then you have to take a rule book test, which is this huge packet in this book that you have to study front to back and know every little detail about the requirements of being a judge, what to do, scenarios stuff like that and so you had to take a 50 question test on that and then last thing is you had to watch penalty runs and so they were short little clips of penalties and sometimes there'd be no penalties in the clip and sometimes there'd be a whole bunch and you'd have to call them out and there was probably I'd say there was a good 25-30 penalties we had to memorize for cutting alone and basically you just had a blank sheet you watched the video and you wrote down the penalties that you saw. So what would an example of a penalty be? Um, there's a whole bunch, um, like you have one point penalties, three point penalties and five point penalties in cutting. And so basically you're watching the rider and the horse. And technically that was a question on the test is what are the rider and the horse called? And that's called the cutter. So the cutter is both of them combined. You're watching the cutter, um, as a whole and the cow. So, I mean, you're watching a lot of things and you're assessing this run and watching for all these penalties. And like I said before, one, three and five point penalties. And so there's little things like if the horse misses the cow, it's a 1A. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things. A hot quit would be a 3A. There's a whole bunch of just different letters and numbers that go into it. And so you had to watch that and memorize those front to back and know what to look for in those. And so back to Fort Worth. So whenever we were able to go back to Fort Worth, so that's the, those are the three things that we were tested on. And, and so those who scored the highest were able to go to this trip that you're about to talk about yes okay so the top five out of the people at arkansas or the the people in the group went and the whole team went ended up going but we had a main team that went 
And so I got to be a part of that, very privileged to be a part of that. And so we got to Fort Worth, and the night before we watched all these cutting horses, we practiced a lot, and this was the day before the competition. And so the day of, we sat in this really big room, and I mean, I'd say there was probably 100 to a little over 100 kids, um, and about 60 to 70 of them were collegiate or college-level kids, and the other half were youth. And so they did the competition in two groups. They had kids and then collegiate. And so I was put in the collegiate, of course, and so we were put in this big room. You know, we had some real judges talk to us and explain kind of what their experiences are, just kind of giving us like a little booster before we went in and tested. And so we went to this other room. We are all spread apart, and we were handed this big packet, which was a test. Everyone took that. Um, and then after that, we watched the penalty runs. I think we watched 30 penalty clips, and you just had to write what you saw. And then after that, um, we watched – um, on a video, like a projector screen, they had 10 runs, two sets of 10 that they played for us. And we had to place two sets of 10 accordingly. And so I'd say there was probably about 60 to 70 collegiate kids and the top 10 out of all of those moved on to the next day. And so thankfully I was able to be in the top 10 for, um, the collegiate level. So, um, those, what rank were you? I'm not sure yet. Well, for the top 10, I wasn't sure, but the top 10 would compete against each other Gotcha. the next day. And so, um, yeah, I wasn't sure where I placed out of those top 10, but I was able to progress into the next day. So these are other college students from across the country that yeah. are doing pretty much what you're doing at, at the University of Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, you had Texas Tech, A&M, Tarleton. I mean, you had all these schools, pretty well, mostly Texas, of course, but <laughs> you had some pretty well-known schools, Oklahoma, all that. And so... Um, the top 10 would actually get to judge in person, like real horses the next day, instead of just on a computer screen. Um, and so the next day me and I believe two other girls from Arkansas, um, made it into the top 10. And so we all judged that. So we had to judge a set of 10 live horses and we placed, um, we did that in the morning. And then out of all of that, I placed second place overall in the collegiate division and so I got to win some nice belt buckles and then the University of Arkansas our team as a whole won second as well and that's so, pretty impressive yeah coming into this sideways and only having what four months under your belt learning this whole new industry this whole new yeah. skill and so I got a lot of experience with that and um and I got really like good connections and close friends with the ranch horse team, which have been a part of the team. And so that's a whole different story of the horse side for me because I got to judge, but um, now I'm being able to like ride along with them. So cutting, let me finish up cutting before we dive into ranch horse. So on the cutting side of things, do you actually have to learn how to be a cutter? Or is this just um, learning how to judge them to be a cutting horse judge? This is solely how to judge them. And it's always really good to learn the judging point of view because you never really think of that in competitions and stuff. You never really think of the flip side of who's judging you. But it's really good to get an understanding of what the judges are looking for. So that way, if you ever want to go into this industry as a cutter, that you know what to look for and what to do. But no, for the most part, they mainly taught us how to judge, but not train okay. the cutting horses. Gotcha. So, of course, um, this got really popular and really had more people learn about this world of horses and cutting. 
by the hit TV show Yellowstone, right? Yeah. So um, if anybody watches Yellowstone out there, you have seen the Four Sixes Ranch. And a lot of the really good cutting horses come from the Four Sixes. So why don't you tell us what you got to see or who you got to see when you were at this event? So yeah, they did a celebrity cutting. Basically, almost the entire cast of Yellowstone was um, in Fort Worth, and they all rode cutting horses. I mean, the arena was packed. It was fun because everyone in Fort Worth that was cutting watched that show. And so we all got to see all these really popular celebrities cut, and it was kind of funny watching them almost fall off because a lot of them cannot ride, (laughs) but it, it was fun. That's neat. Okay, so now you switch gears on me. Um, we learned about cutting. Now, what is this ranch horse team that you keep talking about? So that started, I got looped in with them um, due to the judging. So, I mean, everyone on the judging team was on the ranch horse team but me. And so they slowly started offering me, like, little things. So they had a show, and the ranch horse team, um, just a little sidetrack, what they do is they don't do cutting. They do reining and cow horse and trail, which is a whole different set of judging, which I'm actually judging this spring. That's a whole other story. But, so expl- oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Um, explain those three different types of ranch horse styles. Um, well, the reining is just a pattern that you run, and you're kind of showing off your horse, keeping it in a lope and whatnot. A cow horse, you're working with a cow, kind of controlling it. It's somewhat like cutting, but not really. I mean, it's just you and a cow in an arena. You box it and circle it. Um, and then trail is kind of like ranch work. You know, you're stepping over logs, opening gates, you know, um, lassoing, stuff like that. And so um, that's what the ranch horse team does. And basically, they had a show at the University of Arkansas at the barn. And I was offered to um, help them out with that, you know, announce and kind of keep track of who's going in order. And so I went to that. And that was a fun experience seeing it. Um, first hand seeing what the ranch horse team really was and this was early September this was the start of the school year and they really liked my help I guess because they invited me to go to the shot show with them because they needed my help for that and the shot show is basically this huge show that they do in Abilene and if you're in the reining industry you're probably really familiar with it and there's that acronym I had to look up the acronym because in the hunting and shooting world we have a shot show as well which is the shooting hunting outdoor trade and in the horse world, SHOT Show is an acronym for Stock Horses of Texas. Yep. And so whenever I went to that, um, I w- that was probably a whole week. That was a whole week that I was gone out of class. But um, I got to firsthand experience, you know, what the ranch horse team did on their harder shows, getting up at one in the morning, literally every day. And they would go to the big arena, take their horses out, warm them up, because about 2 in the morning is about the only time that the arena wasn't there. And there's probably a good 200 competitors uh, or competitors that show that week. And so, I mean, the stalls were full. And so we, the ranch horse team would get there at about 2 in the morning and warm up their horses. And then we'd take a 30-minute nap, and then the show would start from about 9 to 6 at night and um nine in the morning to about six at night and so basically that's what that was and so as I went on I realized that this is something that I kind of really want to do because just watching all these people um around it and you know I had some of my professors and stuff and some of the ranch horse kids you know jokingly say hey it's time to get you a horse and whatnot and it started out as a joke but then it slowly started getting serious because um the more I got looped in with them the more shows they started taking me to um and I actually got the great opportunity of them allowing me to practice with them. And so I'd take some of the school horses, um, 
and I'd rotate around the school horses, but I'd really learn how to truly ride. And they, they are a big help with that, teaching me and all that. And I'm still, I still have a lot to learn. But basically, they're teaching me the basics and really what reining and the ranch horse team is all about. And so um, I'm pretty involved with that. And that's about where I am right now is, you know, I'm going to shows with them a lot. And I'm just learning as much as I can. But um, I'm getting to ride a whole bunch um, because of them. And so it's a really interesting and neat experience. And I'm hoping maybe sophomore, junior year, I'm able to get an animal of my own and compete um, for my own instead of just really watching it. And so... So on the ranch horse team, um, this is actually riding and competing. Yes. Is there also judging? No, that's its own separate thing. You have the judging teams, the equine judging teams. That's kind of like its own little section. And then you just have the ranch horse team. Okay. So if you were to be on the ranch horse team to be all in, you'd have to have your own horse, basically. Yes. To be competing. And then you'd be the one being judged on how you handle the horse on these different runs. Yeah. Okay. So is that something that, um, where, where else can you go with this? Like what, what does all this mean that all these doors have been opening? And I mean, before you went away to college, you had no, you just knew you liked horses and you knew you wanted to do something in livestock, something with large animals, something with vet. You really had this huge broad, you cast a big net. You had no idea how it was going to get whittled down or how quickly it was going to get whittle down to what you're interested in yeah so what are some things you can do in this degree this industry there's a whole bunch and i mean starting out of course you have just normal horse trainers whatnot and they basically buy horses for dirt cheap five thousand young horses that are very bad and they train them for a good three years and resell them for 20 to forty thousand, even more if they win more in shows and so that's what horse trainers do they do a lot of that um, a lot of, you know, ranch management, stuff like that for horses. Um, but I'm still kind of erring on the vet veterinarian side. You know, I want to stick with that path as long as I can hold on to all the chemistries and stuff. Um, but I want to stick with vet, the vet path as long as I can. Um, but so, there's definitely a whole bunch of doors that are being revealed to me. Most large animal vets i mean they they travel quite a bit don't they yeah they basically live in their vehicle and then you just go to customer their property and you yeah. make house calls basically to take care of the the different animals yeah and it's different everywhere i mean some a lot of people have facilities that you bring your cattle or horses into and a lot of people drive ranch to ranch and barn to barn it just depends on who it is but i got to work with a lot of horse vets i um helped one you know i'm hoping to work with him over the springtime and so, um, what are the, what are some of the things that you got to do with that vet? Well, I got to float teeth and basically horses, whenever they eat, their teeth get really sharp and it can actually cut their gums. And so you basically need to come in there with almost like a, a sander, like a grinder. I'm not sure the correct terminology for How it. How do they sit still for that? Well, they, um, they basically drug the horses and it's pretty cool. They, um, inject it and they kind of mellow the horses out. And so I had to hold the horse's head up. And that how do you hold his head up? Get under there and hold it with your shoulders. Yeah, and they don't lay down. I mean, they stand up. They're just kind of all mopey, and their their head just drops. And so you have to hold their head up, and it's really heavy. <laughs> but basically, he would go in there and grind their teeth smoother, and then that's it. And we probably did a good nine horses that day, just bringing them in and out. God, how often do you have to float their teeth? Honestly, I'm not too sure. I mean, 
I'd say six months, but I don't want to give a wrong answer because I'm still fairly new to this. Right. But um, I it just whenever they get sharp. Yeah. Okay. So because you've spent pretty much more time than not at the barn all semester, what opportunities opened up for you when you go back to school in the spring by being at the barn so much? Oh, yeah. So I was able to um, get a job at the barn, you know, and feed, help with the feed shifts and whatnot. And so basically what I do, what I did in the fall, but I'll do a little more this spring and actually get paid. So that'll be nice and save up a little money for a horse and a trailer. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good, a good goal to keep in mind. Yep. So where did all of this come from? I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, what brought you into being so interested in horses and being a vet? What, where did all this come from? Just being around animals my entire life. Um, and working at the Bailey's gun range that I talked about before, um, on previous podcasts, that was definitely an eye opener. You know, whenever I got to take care of my bosses, um, horses and stuff like that, just little, little things. I didn't do much with them, but you know, cleaning out the stalls and whatnot and helping them with first aid anytime they needed it I loaded up his horses or I helped him load up his horses whenever he needed to move them to different like pastures or areas and so I always had a huge interest in that and so Arkansas really just broadened that and actually got me hands-on with that stuff. So you mentioned Bailey's and that's a a big gun store here in uh, Houston and they've been around for 80 plus years so they're well established and Everybody in the in the hunting and shooting world knows the name Bailey's. And so now uh, with BJ running the store, BJ hired Matthew last year and he worked side by side. But um, tell me a little bit about why BJ has horses. What does he do? He's a team roper. And so he um, that's what he does is team ropes. And so one of his horses is pretty old. Um, that's just kind of pasture grazes. But the other one is a pretty good horse that he ropes off of. And you've learned a lot working with BJ and his horses, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just something you've always been interested in and, you know. Yeah. And you just never know who you're going to meet and the doors that will open, you know. So just keep doing what you're doing, basically. So the moral of the story is what? Just keep doing what you're doing. Timing will work out in itself. And so just network with people and learn as much as you can. And get up early. Yeah. And stay late. Yep. And yeah, like they say, to be early is to be on time, to be on time is late, and to be late is unacceptable. And so I just kind of live by that, and that's how it goes. That's fantastic. And that pretty much applies to everything that we do, right? Yep. Well, I appreciate you sharing your experiences with us, and I can't wait to hear about what next semester brings and all the adventures that you are going on um, in your new newfound love of equine and horses and cutting and everything that you're doing up there in Arkansas. Yep. So any last minute words before we close it out? Um, just keep doing what y'all are doing. That's about it. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you. And there is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and making memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo and my special guest, Matthew. Yep. (laughs) And you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.